You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, it's just about that time of the week where we take a look at what's going on with Ohio State's opponent. It's behind enemy lines on Buckeye Breakdown. And that means with the Michigan State Spartans coming to town, we've got a terrific guest lined up for you to tell you all about what's going on in East Lansing, where things have gone well, and unfortunately, where things have gone wrong as well. It's Buckeye Breakdown Behind Enemy Lines coming up next here this morning. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown as we get ready for Ohio State and Michigan State this upcoming weekend. I'm Brendan Gulick, and we've got a special guest this morning, Hondo Carpenter, who's the publisher of the Michigan State website on our Fan Nation Network. And uh, Hondo is as plugged in with Michigan State for the last couple of decades as anybody that you're going to find. Looking forward to a great conversation this morning. What's going on? Hey, buddy. First of all, anytime I get to start my day with you, it's a good day for me, my <laughs> friend. Appreciate you very much, both as a colleague but also as a friend, and you do such a great job covering the Buckeyes, and it's good to talk to you. Thanks, Hondo. Looking forward to a fun weekend for sure and uh, a great conversation here this morning. For folks that are just finding our podcast for the first time, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support the show that way. You can also listen after the fact if you'd like, uh, wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. Hondo, I think the, the elephant in the room here at the start is trying to figure out, if you're an Ohio State fan, What's going on with Michigan State? Because a couple of years ago, things were obviously terrible, uh, and Mel Tucker hit the transfer portal hard. I think he he obviously hit the jackpot with Kenneth Walker, but it felt like it was more than just him. Obviously, a great year last year. They've got a lot of the same players returning here in 2022, and things are not going well with a 2-3 and three start. Just from a 10,000-foot view perspective, what's uh, what's going on right now? Well, first of all, there's a couple of things going on. Michigan State, you mentioned it when they hit the lottery with Kenneth Walker. And boy, a great running back can cover a multitude of sins. We all know that. And so they were able to ride that. And that was a very successful season to them. Let's give Mel Tucker tremendous credit. Last year was a great year for Michigan State and what they did with Kenneth Walker. But I think there was a lot of people that took what happened with Kenneth Walker as, okay, great. We're back, and Michigan State isn't back. You know, Mark D'Antonio, for all the good that he did, and he did some amazing things at Michigan State and deserves all the credit in the world. But when he left, that program was run into the ground, <clears throat> and Michigan State had struggled in recruiting. Mark was was uh, refusing to make changes that needed to be made, and it, so it put the program in turmoil he waits till the last minute. I think he was trying, in my opinion, to push them to hire Mike Tressel. And Michigan State was not going to have anything to do with that. And so they put him behind the eight ball recruiting wise, all of that. And then Mel comes in 
hits the transfer portal and hits the lottery. And you know, it's like a goalie in hockey. If you get that one player, that one running back, they can do a lot if there's any kind of an offensive line. So Mel comes in, everyone gets super excited. But Michigan State now is running into the reality. You can't build a program on our on the on the transfer portal. You just can't do it. Now, are there good players who leave? Of course there are. And but the problem is, is now Michigan State's running into a couple of problems where, you know, some recruits, I talked to a friend of mine whose child's being recruited by Michigan State, and he was very high on the Spartans early in the process, but is backed off now because what happens? Your kid gets there, and so they just decide to go recruit somebody out of the transfer portal. I mean, and I'm telling you, there are going to be long-term wages to pay for being transfer portal people, and that's going to be you know, traditional powers. When Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State at its best, he wasn't out hitting the JCs or the transfer portals for a ton of kids every single year. <clears throat> he was getting guys, developing guys, a lot of them from Ohio, and developing them into great players. And so the problem was <clears throat> that you had those guys that you developed, understood your culture, understood this isn't just getting there to get to the league. And I think Michigan State's running into a lot of those problems right now. So is Mel Tucker hitting the transfer portal because he wants to be the kind of coach that can do this regularly because he thinks he can find the diamonds in the rough at other programs that didn't <clears throat> work? Is that what he's trying to build? Or is it more of a reflection, do you think, of what his impression was of the roster that he inherited, where he felt like, I got to blow this up and I have the ability to go grab other guys? Well, I think it's a bit of both. And I'm not trying to be political and not give you an answer. So I'll explain why it's both. First of all, he needed players super bad. And Michigan State, I mean, let's be honest. I've already reported this. I'm the one that broke the story. Mel Tucker was getting the job. He was not the first choice. <clears throat> he wasn't the second choice. He wasn't the third choice. So he gets the job after only one year as a head coach. We know what happened the first year, which I don't think was his fault at all. I'm not blaming him for that. He knew he needed players. <clears throat> he knew he needed to make a statement. And so he goes out and hits that portal hard because it was very, very bleak. But the problem is now that he's recruiting and he's trying to develop guys, there's now reverse recruiting on him with all the coaches telling players, listen, you're going to go there. You're going to spend one or two years. You're going to redshirt. You're going to work hard. And then, bam, when you when you need time to play to develop, he's just going to go to the transfer portal and get somebody, and you're not going to play. I mean, I know of players that are being told that, and that's how schools are recruiting against Michigan State. So that's the first part. That created a problem with him because he needed to hit the transfer portal, but he hit it so hard that now that's being used of him in recruiting. So, yes. The first answer to your question is, did he, did he hit it that hard because of what was left of him? Yes. But I think that now he does believe, though, I can go out and get those players. And I think he can. I think he can go out and get one or two a year that can help this program. But his dependence on it is hurting the term, the team long term. And that's the problem where they are right now. I mean, I, I think most coaches in America probably are using the transfer portal to say, OK, how can I? How can I add to what I currently have? How can I enhance this? Not how can I totally, you know, uh, overhaul it? And and maybe that's where they need to find that better balance. Perhaps uh, 
Perhaps finding somebody as talented as Kenneth Walker helped mask that a little bit. Let's Absolutely. talk about the uh, the current team because um, it's probably not a good time for the uh, for the Spartans to be welcoming Ohio State to town. They've dropped three in a row. You know they 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 played Michael Penix, who has found a, a rejuvenation out in Washington after his time in Indiana. Uh, and then you play two of the better Big Ten teams right now. I don't know how you really rank them after Ohio State and Michigan, but you're playing two two of the better Big Ten teams in Minnesota and in Maryland who can really throw the football. Um, obviously, coming in without a whole lot of momentum, and you're going to play the top you know offense in the country right now, top scoring offense, top three passing offense. Where can Michigan State's defense be better? this week because it looks statistically like that's been their biggest challenge is trying to get their defense going. Well, they could go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get those sprinklers put in. <laughs> I mean, let me let me go back. Years ago, John L. Smith's last season, the Ohio State Buckeyes with my good buddy Jim Tressel invaded Spartan Stadium. And they turned it into, I mean, it was it, it was Buckeyes West. It was brutal. And it was after that game that I called for the firing of John L. Smith. Now, I'm not going in any way, no matter what happens. I'm not going to call for the firing of Mel Tucker. This is too early in the process. And number one, number two, it isn't going to happen. But number one, it's just too early in the process. But I think you're going to see that kind of game. I think you're going to. I know people who are season ticket holders at Michigan State, some of them my own family, that have sold their tickets for an exorbitant amount of money because Buckeye fans will pay it. And there's that many Buckeye fans. So even if Michigan with Michigan State not being good, <clears throat> they want to go on the road, watch a game. So prices are high because it's, you know, a difference of several thousand seats between the horseshoe and, and the high cathedral, the Spartan nation. So there's going to be a ton of Buckeye fans. There's going to be all kinds of red everywhere. And, and I, I'm, I'm afraid there may be even more on the field than than are in the stands. I don't know Michigan State. I, I don't think they have the ability to stop um, Ohio State. I think the question is going to be how many times do the Buckeyes punt? Okay, is it three? I mean, I think three, but four maybe. I, I mean, I, I'm asking the number. I don't have any clue. To me, this is the number one team in the country, the Ohio State Buckeyes. I predicted them to win the national title at the beginning of the year. I've seen nothing from anyone that tells me that anybody's going to beat the Buckeyes. Now, we also know this, and I really like Ryan Day. I think he's a very good coach. But traditionally, going back post-Jim Trestle, the Buckeyes always do something to hurt themselves. There's always a game where the Buckeyes beat the Buckeyes or the Buckeyes give a team. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I don't think Michigan State's a very good football team. And so for Michigan State to beat Ohio State, they have to have the Buckeyes help. Now, if you're the Buckeyes, you can even make a few mistakes and still win this one by multiple touchdowns. The problem is, is if they go in and just do a complete lay an egg, they just expect, hey, we're going to win. Michigan State's not going to show up. I'm going to tell you this. Michigan State's going to show up. If Mel Tucker has not lost his team, Mel Tucker's got these kids. They believe in them. They're going to fight. They're just not that good yet. I mean, that's just the reality. So Ohio State's going to have to beat themselves on Saturday for Michigan State to win. That's just the cold reality because everywhere you look, and Brendan, I would challenge you to do this this week. Go through your roster, the starting first string of both teams. 
Name me one Spartan, one of the starting 22 that would start on the Buckeyes. Yeah, that's it's an exercise that, frankly, we do regularly. Doesn't matter who the opponent is, and for the most part, you you know you've kind of got the guys you want. Yep, I agree. And so, how do they? How do you stop the Buckeyes if you're being serious and not going to put in the Buffalo Wild Wings sprinklers? I think you have to take risks. You absolutely have to take risks, and you have to say, okay, we're going to do everything we can to get pressure. And hope a quarterback has to make quick decisions and quick throws. But then do you really think that this quarterback isn't going to make those throws? Again, it, it, there's so many ways to attack. Do you just play prevent and hope to slow it down so you don't lose by 30? I mean, I, I, I there are so many questions here. And again, it goes back to John O. Smith's last season. The Buckeyes are the superior team. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. Everyone's acting like when they play Michigan, you know, that may be their biggest challenge in all of the Big Ten. So when you're that good, you know, Nick Saban calls it rat poison. Do your guys begin to believe it? Let me go back and and go stay in this series for a minute. I remember when Michigan State invaded Columbus with Mark D'Antonio and all of a sudden Connor Cook's down, pouring rain. And they have a backup quarterback by the name of Tyler O'Connor come in, Ohio kid. And Michigan State upset the Ohio State Buckeyes. After the game, Ezekiel Elliott, multiple players throwing temper tantrums. That Ohio State team was incredibly talented, but perhaps one of the most selfish teams I've ever seen in my life. They didn't play for the Buckeyes. They played for themselves. They played for their futures. They played for the league. And you saw it. Michigan State went in there. They were a team. They lost their star quarterback. Hey, we're just going to go in there, punch you in the face, make you beat us. And that Michigan State team was able to win. I don't see that selfishness on this Buckeye team. I may be 100% wrong because you're embedded with them. But if this if this Ohio State team is that way, then that's a way that you get an upset when you get them frustrated and then they start making more mistakes on their own. But I don't see that in this team. And unless they're playing Alabama, unless they're playing Georgia, those are the only two teams that I think would even give them a major fight. Listen, I think Michigan's going to be the best game they play all year. I still think they win that one. And I think they want to win the national title. But if you're not an Alabama or a Georgia, I don't see who has the horses to run this race. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I I agree with you, and actually I have... I've come to appreciate as I've spent some time around this team, how selfless they seem to be. This really seems 
you know, look, there are a few a, a few guys in every team that maybe don't fit a perfect mold, but like the absolute vast majority of guys in this uh, on this team just flat out want to win. And CJ Stroud is probably the perfect example of that. If you look at his stats from the last couple of weeks, he didn't really care. He, he hasn't he hasn't put up his you know normal. 450 yards of offense through the air or whatever and five touchdown passes he, last week he threw for like a buck 50 but whatever they won and and Mayan Williams ran all over the place like it was they, they just flat out want to win let me give you can I give you some thoughts I think your yeah. listeners will appreciate yeah I was, I was talking to a couple of NFL scouts recently and I was asking about certain teams and I we were talking about the Big Ten because they know I'm a Michigan State guy and one of them said to me, he goes, I've never seen an Ohio State team in a long time. This is an old scout. In a long time, he goes, they're selfless. He goes, they play like an Alabama team. I mean, I thought that was that was high praise. I believe I'm, it. I'm sorry. And then the other thing is I was in the Las Vegas Raiders locker room the other day talking to Thayer Munford. And uh, this kid, I mean, let's be honest. There are a lot of people at Ohio State disappointed with how he played. Number one recruit in America, all the stars in the world. He had more stars in the sky. And this kid, you know, gets to the Raiders. And I, I, I don't know that I would call him disappointing at all, but I don't think he was what Buckeye fans had hoped he would become. And now he's a rookie, seventh-round draft pick, in the, and he's starting in the NFL and, and playing exceptionally well. I mean, if it wasn't for Thayer Mumford, there, I, I don't dare I say I don't even think that they won last week against the Denver Broncos. That's how good their Memphis was. That team just has so much talent. And Ryan Day, let's credit him. Ryan Day may be the best recruiter, not named Nick Saban in America. I still think Nick's better than Ryan, but uh, I think Nick has surrounded himself with great recruiters even more than Ryan has. And so that's why I give Alabama the edge. But to me. Ryan Day now, okay, you're injured. Gee, sorry, we'll be praying for you. Next. And they just put a guy in there and they plug and, they plug and play. Ohio State has just done it right. Yeah, they uh, they sure have. A couple more quick questions. Uh, just from a personnel perspective, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, Peyton Thorne has had a, a decent year, wasn't particularly efficient last week. Um, the running game has been okay this year. Um, I, I guess I'm I'm kind of looking around the offense and trying to figure out like where are the standouts that Michigan State is going to try to exploit Ohio State with? There isn't any. Mm. I mean, <clears throat> here's the problem, and and Michigan State fans are angry. They're upset and mad. I don't think there's a lot calling for Mel Tucker's head. I'm not saying that, but. Mel Tucker wants to build a certain type of team. Yes, he wants stars. No coach doesn't want stars. But he understands at Michigan State, you've got to build the sum of the parts. Mark D'Antonio, when, when Michigan State was at his best, that's what he did. He, he had his, a lot of his stars were on defense. Now, look at what Mark D'Antonio has done. Look at all the guys he had that are still in the NFL. Nick Foles, Brian Hoyer is still in the NFL. Kirk Cousins still in the league. Connor Cook's not, but that's that's a whole nother story. But the point of the matter is, is that when Mark did it, it was on offense, the sum of the parts. You know, Jeremy Langford was a great back, played a few years in the NFL, but he wasn't like a guy that when he wasn't a Kenneth Walker type player, 
He had, you know, Josiah Price, a terrific tight end. But, you know, he he didn't do in much of anything in the league. Now, in defense, he had it. That's where he planted his stars. Michigan State doesn't have that guy. And the way that you have to beat Ohio State is to be incredibly balanced. You have to be able to run when you want to and not run when they make you. The same with the pass. You know, do you trust that Michigan State's offensive line is going to give Peyton Thorne a five-step drop? I, I, with that rush? No. Okay. Do you have, so then do you go to a three-step drop? Okay. Do you trust that your wide receivers, and we know they've got some good ones, but not like Ohio State doesn't have future NFL players in their defensive backfield on a three-step drop. Can you get separation? Mm, no. Okay. Then is Ohio State going to be able to get a rush on you without having to blitz? Yes. So when you look at all of those things, that that's the question this week. Mel Tucker and his staff are paid a lot of money, and now they're going to have to they're going to have to come up this week. Now I'm going to tell you if you're a realistic Spartan fan, what I think you're looking for this week. You're looking for hope about the future. You're disappointed right now. You're frustrated right now. You want to see can Michigan State come out and devise a game plan. <clears throat> where it isn't blowout city, where it isn't 49 to seven, where it isn't like those old schools where you see, you know, Alabama 72 and, you know, Akron three. I mean, this is where Michigan State needs to keep it competitive. If Michigan State goes into the fourth quarter and this game's competitive, I think you give Mel Tucker a game ball. And as a Spartan fan, you're like, okay, we're seeing where he's going. We're seeing where, where things are happening. That's what you're looking for. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of Spartans depressed when they hear what I just said. They're going to be mad because we're about winning every game. But the problem is, is you can be about winning all the time and you should be, but there also is being a realist. And I live in Realville. Uh, the, the mayor of Realville, that's for sure. <laughs> Hondo Carpenter, I guess, the uh, publisher for Spartan Nation on our Fan Nation Network, in addition to covering the Las Vegas Raiders in the NFL. Uh, one more question for you, and we'll let you roll. You know, I, I I know we've talked a lot about Mel Tucker. I think <laughs> I think Ryan Day might even be able to thank Mel Tucker because the hundred million dollar contract that Mel Tucker got may have padded Ryan Day's pockets a little bit. Um, you know, Mel's obviously done some good things in East Lansing, but it feels like he's got a lot to prove still. How much do you, or does your fan base feel like there might be a little buyer's remorse there? That's a great question. First of all, I want to make a couple things clear. I don't think you can make a decision on Mel Tucker based on this year. I know there are some people that want to. I don't think you can, and I don't think that's realistic. It is not Mel Tucker's fault, the amount of money that Michigan State paid him. Sure. So when people say, well, look at what he's getting paid. Look at what he's getting paid. Yep, and that's fair, and that's germane, and you should do that. But you look at Michigan State who paid it. Now, in fairness to Michigan State and my good buddy Alan Haller, the athletic director, it isn't like Michigan State paid all that money to Mel Tucker. They had a donor step up who was willing to pay the money to get Mel Tucker. So I think they're, first of all, they made a long-term commitment to him, a long-term commitment to him. So that's something that you, at the time I said, I don't think that's a realistic. I don't, I don't think that that's what you do. This is a guy that's only had a couple of years of head coaching experience. And the really great year he had is with one guy out of the transfer portal. 
And I don't think Michigan State was wanting to go that long or that much. But when a donor steps up, then they make it possible to take that risk. Buyer's remorse, I think, is a, is a great question on your part. I credit you for asking that question. I think there's a lot of concern. Okay, did we hook our wagon to a guy that is not a proven head coach? Now, if he can gets it turned around, I think everybody in the world is going to be happy. You have him signed long-term to a big money deal, and you're happy. But what happens if he doesn't turn it around? I don't think any of the angst is with Mel Tucker. And I know that because we're talking about his deal. That kind of sign, it kind of sounds stupid. People around East Lansing, they like him. There's nothing to dislike about the man. But the concern is we, we're, we're hooked up with him for a long term. And there really wasn't a lot of long. There wasn't a lot of dating before the marriage came about. <laughs> and I think there are concerns absolutely with Michigan State about, you know, what did we get in, you know, this relationship with. But it's not about him. You know, they're not worried about his integrity or his character. And, and I think that the long term, though, is, man, we're at a 10-year deal. I would say it to you like this. What if you had seen Ryan Day when he first started getting a 10-year, $95 million deal? I mean, I think there would have been. Breath. Right. Because, okay, you know, we have a lot of reasons to like Ryan Day. And let's be honest, Ryan Day's pre-head coaching resume was significantly better than Mel Tucker's. Yeah. Significantly better than Mel Tucker's. And so, again, it doesn't mean he's not the long-term answer. But when you make that big of a commitment that early, you're hoping and you don't know. And I think when you're dealing with literally $100 million, 95, and 10 years of your program to make that big of a commitment on somebody where you don't have a huge swath of information to make that judgment about, that's a risk. Michigan exactly. State took a risk. And, boy, they're, they're hoping, but they don't know. He is uh, paid on potential, that's for sure, and he certainly has the potential, uh, but there's a lot to be shown up in East Lansing for sure. Hondo, man, appreciate your time. You've got great insight. I love your uh, your historical perspective on the Spartans in addition to the uh, the current team. This was a lot of fun, and, and we'll, uh, we'll certainly have you on again soon. Thank you, my friend. All right, Hondo Carpenter of Spartan Nation on our Fan Nation Network through the Sports Illustrated Media Group. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel again if you're interested in uh, more content just like this. You can listen after the fact either on YouTube or wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. And for all the latest news and info on the Buckeyes, check out BuckeyesNow.com. For Hondo Carpenter, I'm Brendan Gulick. This was Behind Enemy Lines, part of our Buckeye Breakdown podcast, Ohio State, Michigan State, up in uh, Spartan country here this weekend.